Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 300 speaker files. Links for you to subscribe to the podcast and a place where you can donate to keep this special service active. I would, line up, uh, I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Darcy. Hi, I'm Darcy, compulsive overreader. Hi, Six twenty. That's that's like forever. Um, what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. I um, will qualify first. I um, I have six years of abstinence um, from July fourth was my sixth year anniversary, and I'm maintaining a thirty pound weight loss. Um, I came to my first OA meeting in December of 1980. So I've been bouncing in and out of these rooms for most of my adult life. Um, I was 19 when I finally admitted that I had a problem with food. And um, I asked this friend of mine, God, I can't stop eating. And she said, oh, a friend of mine went to LA, this thing called Overeaters Anonymous. You should go. And I was desperate at that time, but not desperate enough. And I went to my first meeting um, at the Crescent Heights and Olympic Church, uh, all by myself. And I walked in, and um, you guys freaked me out. <laughs> um, but a little bit of background, because I've got freaking hours to talk. Might as well tell you what it was like, right? Um, I, I am just a compulsive overeater. I eat. I eat and I eat and I eat. And I learned that eating for me, food for me, was my way of, of getting through the, the pain of my, my life. I mean, I was born um, crying, screaming. I was colicky and I was unhappy and miserable right from the start. And... Um, you know, I was born to really young parents that were, you know, my dad's an alcoholic, my mom's, she's all over the map, and um, I was I was not happy about coming into the world. So, um, I mean, even before I could reach for food, my my grandmother, in her infinite wisdom, told my mom that the best way to keep me quiet was to double up on my formula. So it was so thick that they had to cut the nipple off. And I learned that, you know, if you're if you're loud, put a bottle in her mouth. You know, I mean, that's, that's, that's how we did it in our house. Um, and then as soon as I could actually grab for my own food, that's what I did. I knew, I knew where, I mean, I'm a, a liar, a cheat, and a thief. I know where food is. I could always find it. My mom would hide sugar from me. Um, my stepdad would hide. I could always find food, and I could steal it. I, I knew how to manipulate people, and my, the way that I was able to cope in my family with all the, you know, with all the pain was to numb out with, with food and sugar. And I'm uh, a sugar addict. I'm a fried food, you know, French fries, any snacky, you know, sweet, anything, you know, that I could grab, you know, that's where I went. And um, so, so my my personality was um, 
I was either one extreme or the other. When I was at home, I was angry, and I was putting, you know, I, 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 I put my foot through a wall. I, you know, smashed windows. I was, um, I was really angry. And then as soon as I got to school, I was, um, I was getting kicked out of class because I was laughing so much and disrupting class. So I was like one extreme or the other. And what I realized at one point is my, you know, my hysteria in class, my laughing and my giggliness was just another form of hysteria. And um, so, so I was, you know, I was this chubby kid. I was a curly head kid in the 60s where everybody had long blonde hair. I had, you know, short curly hair and I was chubby and I had this really pretty little sister and I had a beautiful mother and, and I just was not, you know, I was not, and, and I was really difficult to deal with. I was emotionally needy and, and I was just like a pain in the ass for my mom, you know. She, my parents, they divorced really young and... I was just like, you know, and I was just really, I was unhappy. So, so, you know, food was my comfort. And so by the time I, you know, I was eight or ten years old, I was already, I already hated myself because I, I was chubby and I was miserable. I hated myself, so I turned a lot of my rage and my anger on, on inward. Uh, and I beat myself up um, emotionally. And so I spent, you know, most of my teens, you know, learning how to keep the weight off. So, so what I did is I exercised and then I restricted. Um, I, I tried to purge. Thank God I couldn't bring the food up, but I tried. I was working as a waitress, and, you know, we were all trying to keep our weight down. And this one girl said, oh, I, I, I tr- drink this. And it was like mustard and vinegar and you'll, and then you'll throw it up. And I tried it and it didn't work, thank God. So, you know, so I, um, by the time I was 19, um, I was always binging and starving. And, and by the time I was 19, I couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. I, that's when I asked my girlfriend. I didn't even ask her. I just said, God, I just can't stop eating. And that's when she told me about Overeaters Anonymous. And I had tried all kinds of diets and Weight Watchers and whatnot. And it's just, I'm a compulsive overeater. Weight Watchers doesn't work for me. Um, I, I needed a physical, emotional, and spiritual program. I didn't know it at the time. I just wanted to lose weight. Um, so I came into OA and... and I, I, I was in and out of this program for years. I used it as a diet club. And I would, I would find a food plan, and I would get a sponsor, and I would lose some weight. And then I looked pretty good, and I felt pretty good. So then I was off and running, and I was leaping around with any guy that would have me. So that was, you know, that's where I would go in the 80s. You know, then I, I realized I'm an alcoholic, so I started going to AA meetings. And, and that was like walking into a big party. And I, I mean, that was that was that was that was great. But what I what I did get throughout all of my my insanity was I I desperately needed a guidebook on how to live life. I did not have it. And the twelve steps in all of my, you know, sort of clumsiness and awkwardness, it gave me a way to survive. Because if I didn't have the 12 steps in all of my imperfection, in the imperfect way that I was working a program way back then, I would have committed suicide. It was that simple. It was not about I was going to get 
to be a hundred pounder or I was going to, uh, you know, go out and, you know, drink and use drugs until I, you know, got cirrhosis of the liver. I was just going to take myself out. I was going to drive off of a cliff or I was going to drive into the median in the freeway. That was sort of, that was my alternative. So, um, I mean, I just, it's, it's, it's funny how, you know, I mean, I'm, I, I really get that I'm a survivor. I, I, I mean, I have fought to get into these rooms and to get this abstinence. I fought and I fought and I fought because my disease is so strong and it's so sneaky and I can take me out so easily. And I really, I really didn't want to be a compulsive reader. I mean, who, who does, you know? I, I was hoping that one of these days it would just go away. You know, that I would find the right diet or I would just sort of snap out of it and I wouldn't want to eat a whole cake after having a piece of it. You know, I thought eventually it would just go away. And um, I really want to focus on these past six years because this is this has been a completely different way of living, a whole different abstinence for me. So... I hadn't been to OA meetings for many, many years. I, I was in AA, I was in Al-Anon, I was in all these other programs. And I hadn't been to OA for a long time. And my weight was just getting, it was just getting progressively higher. Um, and I, there was this sort of sad acceptance about it. You know, I was in my mid-40s and I was wearing a lot of, it was winter it was no, it wasn't winter time, but I have this picture of me at my birthday, and I was I'm at February birthday, so it was cold out in California. It was actually cold out, and I was wearing black turtlenecks and black pants, and that's kind of what I wore all the time. I was just getting bigger, and I was just going to wear more and more black, and I'm wearing black tonight too, but a different kind of black. Um, at any rate. I didn't have another diet in me. I stopped exercising. It was like I was just kind of done. My son would go off to his dad's house for the weekend and Friday night, you know, the snack drawer and it was um, TiVo. Me, TiVo, and the snack drawer. And I was, I was never that type of an eater. I was always out in the world. I would go to parties. I would socialize. I had friends that I would binge with. It wasn't about drawing the drapes for me most of my life. I was either starving myself or I was out there, you know, having five pieces of wedding cake at a wedding and everybody thought it was funny and cute. Um, but by this time, it wasn't about being out there in the world. I, I knew that it was over and I didn't consciously decide to come back to OA at all. I just accepted the fact that I was just going to be bigger and what happened was I was speaking to a stranger. Uh, a, a woman about my age, about my size, and we were just—and I had never met her before. And we just start, we just struck up a friendship. And um, I'm trying to not be distracted. Um, I struck up a friendship with this woman, and, and in this conversation, we were talking about alcoholism and Al-Anon and ex-husbands, and oh yeah, I married a couple of those, and oh yeah, I uh, I do you know 12 steps, and I'm sober, and I go to Al-Anon. And I said to her, I said, um, but the core of who I am is I am a compulsive overeater. And in, in that admission to this complete stranger, I knew that was my truth. That was my surrender in that moment. And I wasn't planning on it. I, was, I wasn't just fresh off a binge. I, um, I just knew that that was my truth. And 
she said, oh, I'm a compulsive overeater too, and I'm going to OA in the morning. And that was um, July 3rd, 2006. So the next morning, I met her at an OA meeting, and it was July 4th, 2006. And that was what I consider my independence day. And um, I walked into the room, and I hadn't been, like I said, I hadn't been in OA for many, many years. And, and my experience in OA was, ah, you know, I, I was very judgmental. You guys were really uncool. I was never as big as you guys, blah, blah, blah. So I always kind of had, you know, had everybody at arm's distance because I was so unique and so special. Um, and when I walked into the room on July 4th, 2006, I, I identified. I just felt like I'd finally, I don't want to sound so dramatic, like I'd come home, but I really felt like I found a piece in the rooms where I had never found it before. I listened to everybody, and I really identified, and I knew that that was my truth. I knew that I was a compulsive overeater, above and beyond anything else. I would always reach for food. Whether it was a lot of food or a little food, I would always get the bigger half. I would always grab for the last piece. Um, I would always, you know, when am I going to get my next meal? How am I going to get this weight off? And, and when I walked into that room that morning, I knew it was over, and I was so freaking relieved. I was so relieved. I was with that woman. I met her there, and she had two other friends there. It was 4th of July. My son was with his dad. I didn't have anything planned all day. And they literally took me by the hand, and I spent all day with them. And I, didn't, I, I don't even remember the day. I remember at the end of the day, we went and saw fireworks somewhere, and the next day I went back to another meeting. And then it was like my life, my life actually started to take shape there. It started to change. And I got a sponsor. And, and I, again, here I was. I think I was, I was like 48 years old, 46 years old. And I came to my first meeting at 19. And it, it takes what it takes. I kept coming back. And, I mean, I kept coming back to 12 seconds. I didn't keep coming back to OA. But God had a different plan for me. And, and I, I want to spend, you know, I mean, I had a good chunk of time to talk about the next, you know, the, the, the past six years. And, you know, what, you know, why is it different now than, than when I was 19, 20, 30, 40? Um, because I, I got willing I surrendered in that moment, and I got willing to actually follow directions. Um, I'm very defiant by nature. I'm very, um, uh, I, I, I mean, my sponsor is sitting here in the room, and I rarely call her. I'm really great at emailing. Um, it's really hard for me to ask for help and to reach out. Um, but, and thank God, you know, she's the third sponsor I've had in six years, and she's really gentle with me and gives me a wide berth, but with really, a really clear defined abstinence, and I'll talk about that in a minute too. Um, but I, I got willing to take direction, and I worked all 12 steps with my first sponsor, and then that relationship, I started to grow out of it, and then I found another sponsor, and we worked on other issues that were really, 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 really important for me. And, and then that relationship, it, we came to a parting of the ways. And now I'm, I'm in a, a, a relationship with a new sponsor. And, and each, you know, each, each sponsor has been the perfect person for that time in my abstinence. And my abstinence, um, ha, that's, that's something that seems so nebulous in these rooms. And it's the most important thing that, 
most important tool that we have. Um, I, I came into the rooms because I wanted to lose weight. I didn't want to be fat. I, I spent my life battling weight, whether it's five pounds or 50 pounds or 150 pounds. It's what was going on in here for me. So I got really clear in the beginning on what are my alcoholic foods. And, and my first sponsor, she, she delineated my abstinence by, okay, what is red light, yellow light, green light? So red light foods for me are foods I absolutely cannot eat. I do not eat. I have not eaten them in six years. And it's refined sugars. And everybody's is different. I have sponsees throughout the years that have had, they can eat, you know, we all have different triggers. And, and, and so, so, so my red light foods are, are, you know, clearly defined. And then the yellow light foods are foods that are sort of like, yeah, I can have them, but they're not necessarily weight-losing foods. And then there's the green green light foods, which are produce and protein. Um, so, so my abstinence from, from six years ago to now has evolved. I, I've been willing over the six years to, to let go of certain foods. Um, I've been willing to let go of popcorn. I've been willing to let go of frozen yogurt. I've been willing to let go, almost let go of protein bars. I had one. That's an issue that we're still dealing with, but I did have one. Um, but I, um, I've been willing as, you know, like, let's just look at popcorn. It started out as a small bag, and then it became a medium, and then it became a large, and then those larges I wanted to refill. So that had to go. You know, the same, same thing happened with frozen yogurt. And I, you know, it was a matter of just, like, every time I've had to let go of a food, it felt like I was ripping off my, a layer of skin. And it took, you know, I mean, my, my girlfriend, Sean, she, we, we sort of walked this path together. And, and she and I, I worked with my, my yogurt thing with her. And, and it got to the point where, okay, I was going to have yogurt once a week. And I had it once a week. It was like Monday at 3 o'clock. And my whole week started to revolve around Monday at 3 o'clock. And then I would go with my son. So we'd get the little sample. And then I'd get a small. And then the small would get really tall. So I'd finish mine. And then I was eating his. And I thought, okay, this has got to go. So that's how my abstinence has evolved. It's not been, I, I mean, when I first came to OA back in the day, it was gray sheet. It was rigorous. I went to Howe. It was so rigorous. I can't do that anymore. I can't live that way. But I do have to have some structure. I do have to have some boundaries. And as I've become, you know, what, what we consider sober with my food, and I've been more willing to let go and to, I mean, my weight has come off in chunks, 10 pounds and 20 pounds. And then, you know, the, the last 10 pounds, it was a few here, a few there, a few. As I've been willing to get, like, closer closer to the bone with my feelings and 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 as as my 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 weight's gotten smaller and my food's gotten cleaner my life has gotten bigger i mean okay so there's sean there's holly and there's marco that's my boyfriend so you know that's how my life has grown like my business has gotten better my my life has gotten hard i almost lost my house i i had to go to another program for my spending and my money you know and i've been 
you know, I get brought to my knees in, in, in this program. So I, I tell my sponsees, you know, I, I go to the program where my ass is getting kicked. And I go to a lot of different programs. Um, but my core program is Overeaters Anonymous. I send my food in every night or every morning, you know, with my 10th step. I, I mean, I am, I've never been so willing because I don't want to lose this. Um, I, uh, like I said, my life has, has gotten so much bigger. I, um, you know, my, my seven-year-old is now a 14-year-old, and he's got, you know, he's got his whole life. And, and you know, I've got boys running in and out of the house. I've, I've, I've my, my, my whole, uh, my business has changed. The, you know, the economy, it, it, it really, really hit me hard. And, and my part in it was I was spending way too much money. So I've had to look at that, and I've had to, you know, get sober with money. I've had to get sober in relationships. And, you know, so that's, that's what's up for me right now is I'm, I mean, I've, I've had lots and lots of relationships, but I've never had a good one. And, um, you know, the last, the past six and a half months, I've been in what I consider to be a good relationship. And I can't do that if I'm checked out with frozen yogurt or popcorn or, you know, a latte, you know, super duper latte every day. I mean, I've had to really get get clean, and and, and so, you know, what I've had to do is is um, I go to, I go to Al-Anon now too to to work on 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 relationship stuff. I, I mean, I I didn't come into to OA to live in a box. You know, I I I like to travel. I like to you know I like to live big. So. But I don't want to be there. <laughs> so, you know, I, um, the trade-off is, you know, my food is really clean and my life gets really big. And so what that means is, you know, there are nights I get really scared and I don't sleep well. And I'm up, you know, two, three, four in the morning because of work stuff or because, you know, whatever. I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm an overeater. I check out. If I get scared, I usually um, overeat or I start raging or, you know, lashing out. And I don't do that anymore. So what happens is I have to deal with my anxiety. And my anxiety usually hits me about 2 o'clock in the morning. So at 2 o'clock in the morning, I have a few things that I do to help me go back to sleep. And one of them is I... I have um, a, type, a timer on my television, so I turn on the same DVD that I've been watching for two years. And I'll turn it on, and I love it, and I fall asleep to it. And sometimes I, 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 I can't do that because I have someone sleeping with me, so I can't turn on the, bat, the, the TV. So I have to go in the other room, and I have to do writing. You know, I should probably do the writing before I turn on the TV, but whatever. Um, but I... I I mean, just recently, I've been, I mean, I've been terrified about a work thing. And what it comes down to for me is I always take it as I'm bad. I'm to blame. I'm the screw-up. Oh, one more time, Darcy screwed up. And, 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 and I, I almost fall apart. And, and what I've been, my sponsor's been working on with me is to bring God into my life. How do we turn fear into faith? I've never, you know, I walked into these rooms when I was 19, and I heard you guys talking about God, and I almost bolted right out the door. I'm like, this God thing does not work for me. So so what I've, you know, I've been given the gift of finding my own interpretation of a higher power, 
of God, of whatever you want to call God, because I can't do this by myself. I can't do, you know, big business deals and big relationships and 14-year-old sons. I can't do all that by myself and be kind and loving and thoughtful and considerate and, you know, thinking of others. I can't do it by myself. So, you know, my sponsor keeps reminding me that I have to bring God in. And sometimes what that means is I have to just go out into the garden, literally go into the garden, not have the phone around, and just, you know, be in God's world, not in Darcy's world. Go into the water and swim. I'm not a good meditator, and I probably at some point will hit my knees, you know, literally, and have to meditate more. But my meditation right now is I go into the water and I swim. I go into the garden and I work, get my hands in the dirt. I go outside and I walk. I take the dogs and I go out into the fresh air. And I just get quiet. Um, at 2 o'clock in the morning, that serenity prayer, the third step prayer, and thank God for DVDs and TVs with timers on it because it just calms me down. And then I do my writing. And I swear to God, my writing is maybe a paragraph of what's happening what's churning in me and once I I put it down I don't write by hand I thank God for computers and I hit that send button um, and I ask for help and help sometimes comes in the form of my boss and I ask him for help that's that's a novel idea I mean I don't have to do everything all by myself I pick up the phone I call up my sponsor that's new for me I pick up the phone I call you know my girlfriend I, I, I reach out I'm, I'm like I can handle it that's kind of the way I've led my whole life and my life has kind of you know been a, a train wreck for the most part so I'm doing it differently and and Sometimes what that means is I'm embarrassed and I'm humiliated and I have to ask for help and I don't know everything and and I get vulnerable and you know you want to talk about you know getting vulnerable you know get into a relationship with a sober person who works a good program you'll freaking get vulnerable and you'll work the program that's that's not for the faint of heart you know but it's uh, you know it's um it's the best thing that I've ever been in and, 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 and it's scary and, and it's hard and I like it it's good you know there's, there's, there's some good stuff there um, let me see I'm, I'm just about done I don't think I have another 10 minutes in me I, I've pretty much had it so I'm going to thank open it up to questions how about that let's, let's go ahead thank you Right. Oh, yeah. How do I do it? Well, how do you do exercise in a loving way and with your body and not offensive? Right. I, because I, I, I'm a black and white kind of an exerciser. I'm either all or nothing. So, um, again, my friend Sean, she she helped me with that. She's like, just get outside and walk for 20 minutes. Just walk. And that's how I got started with exercise. I literally, I live near a park, and I went outside because I would go into the gym, and it was, you know, this, that, this, that, this, this. And then the mirror is there, you know. So I do not go to the gym. And then um, somehow I got back into the pool. And I, because of my compulsive overeating, my compulsive exercising, I have a bad back. You know, I overdid it. I've got a bad back. That's kind of the way it is. So I can't run anymore. I can't do all that so, so I go in the water and I swim, and and 
And so I would just do that in the summertime. And then there I was, it was fall, and there's like 60, 70-year-old ladies at the pool. And they're like, we go all year. I'm like, really? <laughs> so last year, I swam all the way through the winter. And it was really great. So it's just gentle, 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 gentle. Mm-hmm. Easy. Feels good. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, when I, uh, she asked about amends, if you didn't hear the question, and, and how they changed my life. Um, I, when I got to my eighth step and my ninth step, people started coming back. I would just run into people that I hadn't seen in years that I didn't want to see. <laughs> and um, one of the most significant amends came in the form of a girlfriend of mine that I had for many years in the program. And we had a falling out. And we still had mutual friends, and I'd hear about her. Um, and I owed her an amends, and I, I, I you know, I just, I, I just sort of put that on the back burner. Well, she, her dad died, and I just sent her a little card. And then next thing I know, she called me, and she had heard that I had lost weight in OA. And she asked me to be her sponsor. Like, and we both got to make our amends. And I got to work with her and helped her with her program. And, and that was a good two years that I worked with her. And um, that was one of the amazing things. Um, I, uh, I make a living amends all the time to my parents and my, um, my son. And, you know, I've, I've had to make amends to ex-husbands. And I've written letters. And I've owed money. So I've sent money to tree people because I used to steal um, plants. Like I would, my girlfriend and I would, um, we would take her dad's um, station wagon and we would go to another part of the valley and we would fill up our car with people's plants. We would steal them off there. And then I'd go home and I'd have all these plants and my mom's like, where did all those plants come from? I said, oh, my friend was moving. So anyway, I donate money to tree people. I stole clothes from shops, so I donate clothes, and I, 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 I'm always giving charity here and there and everywhere. Um, so they just sort of, yeah, there. So yeah. That answer. I love the six and seven step because um, I don't know how to not be angry or fearful or jealous or envious. That's just my nature. Um, I want what you have and I'm going to take him. <laughs> so, um, or um, yeah, I've done that. Um, how do I you know, how do I, how do I live with these ugly defects of character? We all have them. They're just part of who we are. So the sixth and the seventh step, um, and it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing tool, which is so wonderful, is, you know, I have an issue that comes up. I write about it. I don't remember what the last one was, but I'm sure it'll come to me. And all of these defects of character pop up. And for me, it's usually pride and fear. I always want to look good. Um, and I'm afraid. So, so, um, oh, it was a work thing that came up. But at, at any rate, um, you know, it was, oh, and it's a relationship too. Yeah, fear of abandonment, fear of uh, vulnerability, fear of fear of fear of fear. So I get to work the sixth step. And what's the opposite of all of that stuff? What's the what's the opposite of 
being vulnerable, being courageous and speaking my truth. What's the opposite of being fearful in a business situation? Is having courage and bringing God into that meeting and having God work through me. What's the opposite of being angry and resentful? Oh, okay. Um, uh, uh, angry and uh, being um, um, understanding and compassionate for other people. And, and what's the opposite of um, being judgmental is, you know, wow, I, that could be me. I could, I've acted that way. I've driven that way. You know, so it's a wonderful, wonderful step. What's the uh, danger of the 10 steps in the writer where you talk about writing a 10 oh. step every night? Um, I have a, 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 I think it's a sponsee. Oh, oh yeah, a sponsee of mine gave this to me. It was really, because I, I don't like to do much work. So this one is pretty simple. It's called A-E-I-O-U. A is what is my abstinence? What did I eat today? I is what did I do for myself, for my self-care? E is did I exercise today? O is what did I do for others today? And U is what did I uncover? And, uh... And then underneath that, I have a gratitude list. I put ten things on there that I'm grateful for, and I do that every night. <laughs> she asked about service on the level, on the group level, inner group, and birthday party. Okay. Well, I've done it all. Um, boy, um, I just came off a big, like a six-month stint of having commitments all over town in all my different twelve-step groups, and. Um, I can't recommend it more. I mean, it, talk about upping your ante. Talk about having to be more responsible on a group level. Having to show up to be a secretary on time, and you know, keep the group calm while people are bickering over things. Um, setting up, you know, the books and keeping the money and making sure that there's enough literature for people. Um, I, I mean, it, it seems so simple, but, like, it's a big deal, especially for somebody that doesn't like commitments, and I show up every week. And then I, um, Sean and I, of course, we were on the on the group, group level, and, and Holly, you know, especially Holly, she does it all the time. But I, I took a commitment on, on one of the, excuse me, on one of the inner groups, and I did it for I think it was a couple of years of the delegate, and and I mean it, it, it's it, when you go to the delegates meetings and you get in group, involved in the group level, you really see how this how this organization functions, and it's pretty miraculous how it functions with all of our insanities and with all of our self-centeredness and with all of our kookiness. It still works. It's, it's really, uh, and I, I try to take it out into the world, not just, yes, I get stuck. Yeah. Oh, okay. She said, how, have I gotten stuck in my program and how do I get out of it and keep working my program? Um, and, and, yeah, the answer is absolutely I get stuck. I don't, you know, look, I want to lose the weight and I want to walk out the door. I don't want to do anything else. But that doesn't work for me anymore. It worked, sort of not worked for a long time. So, so what happens for me is, you know, I continue to stay abstinent no matter what. And then life happens and it gets really painful and uncomfortable if I'm not working it. If I'm, I mean, it just happens anyway. So, so my alternative is... I can stay in the pain, I can stay in the discomfort, or I can pick up the tools. And I can make a phone call, I can um, 
do some reading, I can do some prayer and meditation, I can, um, you know, I, I, there's this one woman in the meetings that I go to that I just love because she never picks up her phone. <laughs> and I told her, I'll never pick up the phone when you call. So I can make that outreach call and just just the act of being willing to to, to take an action and get out of myself, it, it, it really makes a big difference. So just the simplest, simplest little action clears so much stuff up. It's amazing how this works. That's a good question. Do I weigh myself? And if I do, how do I stay sane in that process? Yes, I weigh myself every week, every Wednesday morning. <laughs> uh, it was, in the beginning, it was 30, every 30 days. And um, for me, if I don't weigh myself on a regular basis, I slip into denial really easily. And my food gets bigger, and I don't, like, I'll just wear clothes that are stretchier, you know? So um, I have to stay on the scale. And, and my weight has fluctuated. You know, it fluctuates about five pounds. And, you know, when it gets up to that top end, I get really scared. And, and I uh, get more willing to kind of, you know, because I eat between 1,100 and 1,500 calories a day, loosely. I mean, I'm not, I'm not like super measure weigh everything. But that's, that's kind of the, the parameters that I, I work in. And, um, again, my food is changing. I'm eating less less meats and poultries and more vegan-y kind of foods because it's just feeling better and everybody around me seems to be doing it so I'm sort of jumping on that vegan-y bandwagon but um, yeah every week I'm on that scale no matter what because I will absolutely gain weight if I don't I'm not an under I'm not a I'm not, a, I'm not an anorexic I'm an eater and I'll always get bigger if I don't keep on this okay so my first sponsor I um she raised her hand. She said she was taking, she was turning 60, and she looked amazing. I'm like, I want her as my sponsor, yeah. and and it worked out. And I worked with her for a few years, and it was great. And I just started to feel like, um, she wasn't as available, and I just, just didn't feel like I was getting as much out of her as I needed to. And so, and we parted ways really amicably. And then I started, sort of latched on to Sean's sponsor, because that's what I do I really you know like I don't want to have to go out and look I'll just you know so I, and, and it was perfect I started working with her sponsor um, and look it was she really really helped me she was kind of mean she was mean but she helped me and I finally got to the point where I just I, I didn't feel safe telling her the truth about anything. So I thought this probably isn't a good thing to do. So we parted ways and I was honest. You know, I didn't tell her I didn't I thought she was me and I just said it's time for me to move on. So then I did look for another sponsor and I don't like asking for help. I hate it. So what I did is I really like Holly. She's a really nice person. And she 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 works a really good program and I just said, Can I just temporarily send you my food while I'm looking for a sponsor? She's like, Okay, yeah And I just never let go. <laughs> so 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 now she's kind of like, now you got to really work with me. So, so that's how that worked. And, it's, and, and she's gentle and she's really, she just keeps it into the program, sends me a picture of the big book when I'm in fear, read that. So, yeah. What else? Anybody else? Okay. Oh, that's it. Okay. Sorry. That's it. Well, thank you so much. Thank you.